Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Welcome to High Trust Today, the podcast. I'm on a quest to help people win in business and in life. To do that, I know they must trust themselves, their relationships, their business, and they most certainly must trust their future. When you do that, you set in motion a universe of possibilities, and that journey begins right now. The circumstances are not the problem. It's what you're asking for that's the problem. So I want you at Sales Mastery this year, I want you to think big. I want you to to dream big. I want you to ask for a lot. I want you to ask for a lot from your business, a lot from your relationships. I want you to ask for a lot from your finances. I want you to ask for a lot for your health. I want you to ask for a lot. And not because it's selfish, but because if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it. And at the end of the day, I want you to think big. I want you to think bold. And I want you to think beautifully about what's possible in your life. And so life will give you what you ask of it. The second thing that I think makes somebody unstoppable is that they have a spirit where they are determined and they will never give up. Never give up. And they have courage and they have boldness and they have audacity. And they make decisions around not giving up that are life-changing. They make decisions around not giving up, okay, that can alter the course of their financial future, the course of a relationship, the course of a business partnership. They make these decisions about never giving up because they believe in what they're doing. And we have challenges throughout our entire life on when we are put to that point, to that test, where giving up is not the courageous thing to do. That giving up is the shortcut. And I want to tell you a story about somebody who is audaciously gifted, who has a ton of courage. And um, just out of curiosity, how many of you in the room are parents? Okay, awesome. So I have a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old. They are extreme sports fanatics. I am absolutely convinced they wake up every day and they look for something to go through, around, or over. And it doesn't matter if it's their surfboard, their snowboard, or their skateboard, they are looking for air. It is not uncommon that we get a call that one of them is getting an x-ray or one of them is in the emergency room or that we have those issues going on. And they're both on the varsity surf team, which in California is like being the quarterback of the football team. So it's very cool, they're visible, and, uh, and it's fun to watch them, you know, in their life be those kinds of kids, and they go for it. But I have to tell you something else that, you know, as, as you think about being a parent, as you think about the challenges, you know, it was, uh, it was interesting this past February, it was a Tuesday morning and it was 6 a.m., the boys were at surf practice. You know, it's cold, it's dark, it's a little misty, but the waves are, quote, firing. And when waves are firing, that means you have to be at the beach no matter what. And as, as it ends up, you know, they're at practice and Matt, our 14-year-old at the time, is the first guy in the water. And uh, he catches one of the first waves, and the wave is a big wave. And uh, as I'm told the story, um, he wiped out in the middle of the wave. The wave torqued the surfboard, pulled it on the leash, and then when the wave collapsed, it released the surfboard, and the surfboard slammed into his head. And when he emerged from under the water, he got back in his board to paddle out, and he saw crimson blood dripping on his board, and he called for his brother, who was about 30 feet away. And his brother came over and got Matt, turned him around to shore, and brought him in. And the surf coach put a towel on his head and compressed this wound that nobody knew anything about and rushed him to ER. I got a text at 641 from John, our 17-year-old. Dad, we're at ER. Matt needs stitches. 
So it's not like a big deal. So I get in my car, I go to ER, I've got to sign off and everything. But I have to tell you something. I walk into the room and I am, I'm stopped in my tracks. I, I look at my 14-year-old. Um, his eyes are closed. He's got this massive white turban on his head. And I see this starburst of crimson red coming through the side of his turban. And I'm just thinking, this is not, well, what do you mean? Stitches, you know? And I'm seeing my son. And I have to tell you something, it was scary. And the doctor came in and, and cleaned out the, the wound and started stitching that up. And then he came to me and in the hallway said, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. We need to get a CAT scan of your son. And I remember feeling like my heart dropped to my toes. And so Matt was prepped for this, this, uh, the CAT scan. He was rolled out of the room. And um, about 45 minutes later, the doctor comes back and he says, um, we have a problem. Your son has a broken skull and he may have a life-ending brain injury. We need to get him to Chalk Hospital ASAP. <sighs> when you get that kind of news, it's crazy. And I have to tell you that for a, a moment, it didn't matter how much money you would have in the bank, how big your pipeline would be. None of that mattered. The only thing that mattered is you had a son in jeopardy. And being a father who lost a wife and having a son that is in jeopardy, I have to tell you, it's very, very hard to describe to you that feeling. And so we arrive at Chalk Hospital in Orange County, and the neurosurgeon sits down with us, tells us what's going on, and basically asks Matt to draw a picture on the arm that was on the side of his body that had the wound. And Matt took out a pen from the doctor, and he drew a wave with a surfer in it on his hand. And with that, in a 10-second count, he was under and rolled away for surgery. We sat there for three hours as we had no idea what was happening to our son. And um, three hours come and go, and we're reflecting on this. And I, I have to tell you that it was in that reflection that I thought about you guys, and I thought about what we teach and what we preach and what we're about. And I thought that, you know, it's so important for you to understand that in the blink of an eye, life can change. And while you're here at Sales Mastery, I want you to be purposeful about what you learn. I want you to be really, really intentional about what you hear and what you perceive and what you do with it. And I also want you to realize that the decisions that you make here will either cause you to miss or enjoy life. And my recommendation to you is do not miss your life and do not miss the life of your kids if they're still at home. And don't miss anybody's life that's close to you. And so the doctor came out and he said, your son made it through surgery. But I have to tell you something, his skull was crushed. It was broken in about six places. Uh, the surfboard fin actually um, cut one of the main arteries in his head. But because the surf coach put pressure on his skull, he actually saved his life because a bone got pushed on top of the artery and stopped it from bleeding out. He said, um, the wound is about three and a half inches long. It's about an inch and a half deep. The fin cut the brain sac. Ocean water came in. Broken fin came in. Debris from the ocean came in. They had to, you know, rinse out his entire brain. But he said the worst news, the absolute worst news, is it cut that hole in the part of the brain that controls speech. And I have to tell you something, your son may never speak again. And I want you to be prepared for that. And I don't know how you would handle that. And I don't know how you would get through it, and I don't know how you would survive that, just like I didn't know how. And um, the doctor said, there's two things Matt needs to do. One is, 
he needs to talk. And the other is he needs to smile. And if he does both those, then there's a 90% chance he'll get through it. So recovery takes 40 minutes. Oh, my heart is racing. I'm crying. Deb's with me. She's crying. It's crazy. Because there's two things that have to happen. He has to smile and he has to speak. And so I remember watching him come out of his daisiness, and I said, Matt, it's your dad. Can you hear me? Nothing. And I said, Matt, it's your dad. Can you hear me? Nothing. And I waited two or three minutes, and then I, I looked at him again, and I said, Matt, it's your dad. Can you hear me? And I saw his lips quiver. And I'm crying, and he doesn't say anything. And so I, I look at him one more time, and I touch him. And I say, Matt, it's your dad. Can you hear me? And his lips start to move. And out of his mouth comes, am I on the other side? <laughs> and I'm going, oh, man. You take me through. Am I on the other side? And it was just, it was his character. It was his spirit. That was the the kind of kid that, that he was, you know? And, and it was such an amazing journey. And so we're, um, we're out of surgery. We're back in ICU. We've got a big room. Matt's OD'd on morphine. And, you know, I'm trying to take a, a little nap. But we have this great room, and, and, and he's gone all night long. And I look at him, and I watch, and I journal, and I pray. And, you know, I have this incredible, credible time in the hospital alone with my son. And, you know, as healthcare goes, the next day we're moved out of this nice ICU room and we're moved into a room about the size of my closet. And this room has two beds. It's separated by a curtain, so you know it comes equipped with a roommate. And then there's no room between his bed and the wall, but I do ask for a cot, and the cot comes, and the cot is so small that my legs hang off the edge from about here down, and in fact, my toes touch the toilet. Uh, it is a really, 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 really bad scene. And then uh, I learned from our, our roommate who arrives that they're a Spanish family, which is great, and they don't speak English, which is fine. And um, so they have to have an interpreter in there all night. So we got the two machines going off, an interpreter going off. We got Spanish being spoken, English being spoken. Matt's in pain, and it's just crazy. And Matt is vomiting all night long, and just a, you know, just a really significant challenge. And uh, I, I have no sleep. And um, you know, I awake the next morning, and I look at him, and. And he's got his turban on, and, and, uh, but he's all, he's all sewn up. And um, I began just you know, contemplating you know, when he's going to come around, and uh, he's throwing up and everything. And uh, the doctor came in at 11 o'clock and told Matt about his injury. And, um, and Matt said, he said, when can I get out of here? And the doctor looked at his chart, and the doctor said, you know, probably within a week. Matt is 14 years old. He looked at the doctor and he said, that is unacceptable. <laughs> now, he has been out of surgery for 48 hours, all right? He has a major brain injury and he looks at the doctor and he says, that is unacceptable. He's got two titanium plates in his head. He has 24 screws in his skull and he looks at the doctor at 14 and he says, that is unacceptable. And the doctor said, well, I'm sorry. And Matt said, hey, what do I have to do to get out of here? Literally, 48 hours after surgery, what do I have to do to get out of here? 
And the doctor said, I'm not sure anything you do will get you out of here, but here are four things you have to do before we'll even consider releasing you. And one of them was not throwing up. The other was being able to do a stand-up test. The other was being able to do a bend-over test. And the other was be, do, be able to do walks around the deal. And so Matt said, okay, I'm doing that. And we were released from the hospital at 7 o'clock that night, eight hours after Matt saying to the doctor, it is unacceptable. <laughs> 